0: what's up everybody welcome welcome to the comet ml office hours powered by the artists of data science i am your host harpreet i'm super excited to be here today super excited to have all of you guys here shout out to uh everyone chilling in the uh, room right now. I know some people got the cameras off right now. Some are eating, some people are shy, some people are just connecting, but special shout out to uh, Marin. Elka's in the building. Haven't seen Elka in quite some time. Hopefully you're doing well. Austin's uh, sitting here chilling. There's Elka and Charmy's in the building as well. Super excited to have all you guys here. Hopefully you guys got an opportunity to tune into my podcast uh, episode that I released just a couple of days ago with, um, Max Frenzel, who is an AI researcher, all around cool guy, author of the book, uh, well, co author of the book, Time Off. Um, it's all about cultivating a rest ethic. So it, it was cool, man. It was really, really good conversation talking to him. So hopefully, get a chance to tune into that. A lot of other awesome episodes coming up in the next few weeks that I'm super excited about. Uh, started to book up some guests for the uh, podcast as well, uh, for, you know, the well these episodes that i'm going to be re- recording in the next couple of months they won't be released until like you know march or april of next year but they're all going to be live so you can get like a sneak peek uh, so i got a lot of good friends coming around the show got a lot of awesome authors and uh, thought leaders and stuff so that should be a good good time uh, so for those of you tuning in live on linkedin tuning in live on youtube I want you guys to know that we are most definitely taking all of your questions. So feel free to drop your questions into the comment section, into the chat section, wherever it is that you are joining us from. Uh, We'll be more than happy to get to your questions. Uh, So on Friday, we kicked off this question. We kicked off the session on Friday with just advice on um, how to set yourself up for success when you start a new role. A lot of good advice and a lot of good tips uh, during that that session. So tune into Friday's episode to to hear a lot of the good advice there. Um, but I wonder, like, is it? Does anybody have advice just in terms of how to set yourself up for success? Not even in the first thirty days, but just continuously, right? Because you know you hope to be in a job for much longer than thirty days. Uh, what tips do people have, you know, out there uh, in the audience to just? Keep that momentum going. Keep that excitement going when you start a new job, right? Because you start a new job, it's like you're so excited about everything. But inevitably, you might lose that excitement. How do you keep yourself excited about things? What, what do you What do you tell yourself? How do you How do you stay connected to that initial burst of excitement you had when you first started the role? Uh, I guess let's let's go to let's go to Elka. Then let's go to Marin, and and um, we'll start there and if you guys have a question go ahead and let me know you can either type out your question in the chat or you can just say you have a question uh, and i'll you know add you to the queue um, and we can take it from there but let's uh, let's go to elka and then then Marin.
1: sure um so it's kind of an open question but yeah. i would say to stay curious maybe because i feel like there's so much interesting things in the world in, in the domain of data science especially And like whatever you end up doing in your job, there's interesting aspects of it. There's interesting ways to look at it. So just look for these ways to look at it. Try to find them and like approach problems in this way. And as long as you are learning and and finding new interesting things, then you will keep getting excited about it.
0: I like that. Stay curious, stay open-minded and just willing to explore. Uh, Maren, what about
2: you? Uh, Basically, I'll repeat what Elton said. Unfortunately, in my previous experience, because I was sort of in a field that is very mature, I couldn't keep my excitement for long because once you sort of learn the new things that you didn't know, then there is nothing new to learn. And that's, I think, the most important thing. If you don't Uh, basically run into a case when there there is nothing new to learn, then you'll be excited always. Uh, So don't box yourself in into something like a niche thing that is very limited in opportunities to learn and to to ask new questions, to work on new problems and you'll be fine.
0: Such great advice from everyone, I love that. Let's hear from Tashi, man. Tashi, good to see you again. Tashi's been an OG, man. He's, he's been a supporter for for first of the Day Science from day one, man. Haven't seen you in a while. Hopefully you're doing well. Tashi, if you got some tips, definitely would love to hear from you.
2: Hello, Harpreet.
3: Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. Um, and yeah, I've been learning a lot from, uh, from you and all the folks in the happy hour. Um, I actually have a good news. Um, I you know you know i've been here ever since i was a student right and uh, i just recently graduated and um, i accepted an offer from bloomberg for the data
0: analyst role nice that's huge yeah. man
3: <laughs> yep um so i'm starting in 10 days it's like the entire process is really fast and uh the question asked today was actually is very relevant to me because now i'm starting a new job and i was like wow this is perfect for me um yeah. uh, in terms of tips i don't really know i'm a young professional so I think I'll just like wait for you guys and listen to what you guys have to say and take
0: notes right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations, Tashi. That's huge, man. Like Bloomberg, that's uh, that's no joke, man. It's a huge company. I uh, definitely tune into the uh, episode that of the happy hour session from Friday. There's such good advice in that episode. I think you can benefit a lot from that. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of like books and stuff like that. One of my favorite books is uh, it's sitting on the shelf over there. There's uh, the first 90 days. And then there's the follow-up to the first ninety days called "Master Your Next Move." They're both by the same author, but I can't read the author's name from here. Text is too tiny. Congratulations, though, man. That's that's uh, that's that's huge. I'm I'm very 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 happy for you. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Austin. Austin, how do you keep yeah. that? Uh, how do you keep that excitement up, man?
4: Um, I think kind of co- connecting to what Elka said was, I think saying s- skeptical um, both of myself and what i'm bringing into a role so opening myself up to learning new things learning the new structure of a thing but also to like the things i'm hearing from people who've been at the company for a long time because that skepticism is like the first step towards challenging presenting challenging ideas or showing something to the leadership that they might not have seen before questioning their biases so being skeptical of like you know, it doesn't have to mean you're negative about about the vision or what the product is or, or what you're working on, but just being skeptical of the way um, sort of everything's canonically being presented to you, so that you can start to really question, like, and, and and identify what the biases might be, and then where you can kind of come in and and present a different paradigm, or um, with it, whether it's within your team or organizationally at large. It depends on how big things are, obviously, and where you fit in. But I think skepticism is something that is maybe overlooked, and and because you want to like. I think the tendency is you want to dive in and like accept the new things and, and feel excited about them and feel like, um, yeah, there's really something happening here. But then if, if you can force yourself to be skeptical about what you've learned and what about what the sort of the company or the organization or your team is presenting you, I think that gives you avenues then to think divergently. Whereas if you sort of accept what's being presented to you and accept um, even your own experience, I think you kind of shut, you can shut yourself off to like new avenues of thinking about solving a problem or, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I think the main problem is actually this. And it's a slight alteration of what I thought when I was hired. So I think like I'm experiencing that right now, kind of a little bit of that comment, which is an interesting phenomenon. And I think it's something that's really opening some doors for us to figure out what we want to do next and where we want to go with community and content and all these different things. But um, yeah, I don't mean negativity. I just mean questioning in a skeptical way and sort of like, is that, you know, really how this looks to me And, and that kind of thing.
0: Great tips, uh, very, very good tips. I think I'll be employing that as well, mostly because you know, also my-, my
4: Yeah, dude, uh, don't
0: drink my Kool-Aid. <laughs> don't drink my Kool-Aid, that's what yeah. I'm
4: telling
0: you. Yeah, shout out to everybody that's joining the room. By all means, everybody that's joining, please feel free to turn the videos on. We'd love to see everybody's wonderful faces on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, I'm ready to jump into questions. If anybody has questions, uh, shout out to Asha, Asha's in the building. Good to see you again, my friend, as usual. Um. I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put Charmy on the spot. Charmy hit me up on LinkedIn uh, a couple of days ago, maybe, and I directed her to come to the uh, to the office hours. So by all means, man, let's, let's get to your questions, Tashi. I'm uh, not Tashi. Uh, Charmy, super excited to uh to to help you. Hi
5: out.
0: everyone. Uh, how's everyone doing? We're, so I'm,
5: I'm doing I it. am a <laughs> I'm a third year student in Toronto. I'm studying software development and. Um, Since the beginning of the year, I've been very interested in data analytics and data science, basically. I also did a couple of courses such as the Google Data Analytics certification course and uh, a few more. And I have a good hold of languages and what actually goes into the work. And um, right now I am looking for a mentor or someone who can guide me to do some projects or maybe like an internship so that I can get hands-on experience in the real world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm right now, as Tashi said, I'm I'm actually taking notes of what everyone's saying.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I encourage you to come to these, like, you know, every week I told you we got this one every Sunday, we've got another one that happens every Friday Um, in terms of, you know, I mean, just so happens that like, this is interesting. The problem that you're describing, because I'm like, create, I've created a course that deals with this exact situation that you're in. That is going to be launching um, sometime in uh, October or so. But I won't use the Comet ML office hours to promote my own course. Uh, but that, that's, hap- that's happening. Uh, I'll definitely, you know, put you into the loop for that. But I think the first thing to do, like, so it's it's interesting when you are at this stage where like okay i I know python i know some data analytics but if i get a actual question placed in front of me like like if i actually have to do the work i might just freeze up and not know where to go with it right like you might just like freeze okay wait what do i do how do i do this how do i approach this where do i go from here and i think the way that you overcome that is just by doing more and more like small problems right so i call these just little discrete problems right little miniature discrete. Uh, projects that you don't necessarily share with the entire world, but you do it just for you to understand a con- concept or understand how something works, right? As an example, you know, you're saying that, okay, I'm I'm good with, with the Python. I'm good with some data uh, analytics. But like, you know, if I get a brand new data source, what do I do with that, right? You can just do a little project for yourself. It doesn't have to be any more than one day. And then new project could simply be, I'm going to take this raw data and I'm just going to practice cleaning it, right? You know, what What are some, some things that I could do to clean the data, right? So begin by exploring it, begin by getting a feel, like not exploring it, but um, understanding it. I call it data understanding, where you just kind of inspect each column, inspect the data, see what's going on, see how you can clean it, um, and just make that a project, right? Like, And you don't necessarily have to put it on a portfolio, but you just practice it. Alternatively, let's say you're trying to learn how to work out of like a uh, API or something like that. Um, and you don't know how to interact with data that's in an API that's coming in from like, I don't know, like a JSON blob. How do you normalize that? How do you add structure to it? Well, you can do a little mini project, right? Spend no more than a day on it. Like I'm going to go to the weather, weather channel API. I'm going to pull data from like weather data from all my favorite you know cities around the world. It's going to come as a JSON blob and I'm going to do this i'm going to make a pipeline that pulls the data structures it cleans it does some feature engineering and then outputs a little graph right and that little graph just like visualizes temperature by day right something like that so that's how you just build momentum right? like the first project you do doesn't need to be like this all-out big grand massive masterpiece project you have to like build up to that iteratively and the way you do that is just like i said these small discrete projects that help you build this much larger body of knowledge i'll pause there and see if you have any questions
5: right i i get it i have also worked on a mini project for the covid data that i found uh it was probably in july that i did it um i went over the world data and uh made analysis on it found out uh, where are the hotspots and uh, which regions are being affected the more the most and everything like that. I, I have it on Tableau. I use SQL for that um, and then um, use Tableau to visualize it. So that's how I'm going about. But the real challenge that I face in doing personal projects, it's coming up with the questions. What questions should I answer in the project? Yes. That's what... Confuses me a lot because there's a bunch I can do, but I don't know exactly where to start.
0: Yeah. So out of the like that, that's the most challenging part of any project, whether that's personal project or a pro- project on the job. It's like, OK, what is the question I'm actually trying to answer? Right. Like, that, like clarifying right. a question, clarifying a problem statement is actually the most, I think, important part of any project. So otherwise, if you don't clarify that, you're going to be heading in the wrong direction. So to clarify a pro- or problem statement. In this case, if you're just doing a personal project, just make sure the, the, the question you're asking is interesting to you. And then just, if you've got a bunch of questions, but you don't know which question to start with, I would say, write all the questions down and see if you can order the questions with numbers, one, two, three, so that in such a way that one question follows the other, kind of like an, a chain of questions, right? Does that make right. sense?
5: Yeah, it does.
0: Again, I just want to make sure I I want to make sure I understood your question. See, I got to. Yes, yes, you got (laughs) it.
5: Uh, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yes, I I will try doing that. Maybe it helps.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, just write about your project when you do it. Right, like it's not enough just to do it on Tableau and and just leave it there. Like, write a quick, you know, LinkedIn post, three thousand characters, talking about what you did. Share it. You could even tag me tag you know whoever is in this room and ask them to look at it and get just get feedback from it right and then just be open to the feedback right like don't take it personally just take it as constructive right Right. that's another element of it Um, because if you just have the project sitting there like you have to hope that people stumble upon you and find it and you know this this and that it's just it doesn't doesn't work that well um
6: yeah pause there again
0: questions comments anybody else got any advice definitely would love to to hear from everyone here elka what about you, you got any tips here yeah, for, uh, maybe i can
1: uh, jump in um yes. i think if if you don't have any inspiration for questions another way to go can be to like uh, go to websites like Kaggle and uh, look what they have there um because there's often the the problem statement is in the challenge that they post. So it's something to start from. And then as you're doing that challenge, you are looking at the data and other questions will pop into your head. And um, it may help because for personal projects, especially it's hard to come up with these questions because there's no other side, right? There's no business stakeholder or customer who is asking you for something. So you cannot ask them questions to understand what they want. You just have to figure something out. So uh, maybe that's a way of finding a question that's doable and not like the the greatest mathematical questions that are not achievable for, uh, well, most of us, at least someone in the beginning of their career uh, and still like a source of inspiration that can help.
0: And by all means, if you want to like share your project, like if you want to just like even like right now, if you want to pull it up or maybe later on in the call, if you want to pull it up and just, you know, show us right here, right now, we can provide you some feedback as well or come into one of the Friday sessions or any session, really, if you got like whatever project you're working on, you need feedback or input. Um, we'd
6: definitely be happy to, to look it over.
0: All right, Charmy, if you're talking, we Oh yeah, I will, okay. uh,
6: I will uh,
5: join the next Friday session for that because I'm not at home right now. So I yeah, yeah. don't have hold of my project.
0: No worries. Um, and yeah, we're here every week. So definitely feel free yeah. to ask questions. Also,
5: I wanted to know that um as a beginner, should I focus on two or three skill sets or dig into everything? Like I'm good at SQL, um uh, Excel, Python, I'm not very accustomed to Python uh in terms of data analytics. So should I focus more on that or try to sharpen my skills on sql and the skills that i already know or the tools that i already
0: want yeah i think i would okay first of all the caveat that data science is like a meta skill there's not like one skill i can point to and say okay you are missing that skill without that particular skill you are not a data that's not how it is right data science is really a meta skill so combination of many 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 different skill sets that being said if we're focusing just on the technical abilities of a data scientist having SQL is definitely a must right that's something you should know how to do but at the end of the day there's only like 10 things from SQL that you really need to know how to do right um so at least land land your first job uh excel people sleep on it uh but it's very important so definitely have that skill so naturally the next thing is okay if you don't have that python ability up yet uh it is key it's a critical component um so definitely learn how to code you have to you have to know how to code and and, you know python or whatever it doesn't matter it depends on depends on where you're trying to to go where you're trying to work what kind of work you're trying to do but um i towards python so i'd recommend that my favorite my favorite website for for like my favorite resource for learning python for beginners who know nothing about programming uh is python principles so that's a website i believe it is still free to sign up for python principles um and it'll just teach you and it's all web browser based so you write you know do all the exercises in your web browser and then from there just move on to another book called um uh python for data analysis that's the book by right. Wes McKinney. Yeah. Wes McKinney is the guy who invented pandas. So it's a really, really good book. Um, but yeah, I'd say definitely complete that technical skill set with, with um, Python. Then the other stuff you just learn on the job, right? Like, you know,
6: right. of
0: course. Like working out of the terminal, like you should be comfortable at least just a little bit, you know, working out of command line, not like, you don't need to be able to write bash scripts or anything like that, but just be comfortable with it and um, stuff like Docker, Airflow, all that other stuff you can learn on the job, cloud stuff even. Um, but if you get to a point where like, okay, I feel comfortable with everything else, then move on to the
6: harder and harder topics. Any yeah, uh, definitely anything? look into the website.
0: Awesome. Yeah, if there, anybody else has tips, please do go in. Asha, go for it.
7: Um, I'd also like to add that you also have to be very patient with yourself. You won't know everything. A lot of these things you learn while doing a project, you'll need to know, to do something, then you'll have to learn it on the fly. You look it up, learn it then. So a lot of these things you'll just learn on the job. A lot of the things you pick up on the job, on your own, you'll know like the basics, but a lot of these things you'll pick up while doing an actual project.
0: Yeah, data science is one of those things that you learn on the job, but the thing is like, on the job doesn't necessarily mean working at a company and like working in a like environment, like professional environment. On the job is literally in this field, at least can be done without having an actual job. Does that makes sense, right? Because everything is freely available, right? Anybody can download, anybody can get set up with a SQL database on their local machine or in the cloud if they want. Anybody can get Python for free or are anybody can download an ide anybody can get jupyter notebook anybody can find data anywhere um, and actually learn on the job by doing Uh, and then tashi here uh, sent a great uh, resource for are you solving the right problem from hbr i'll share that as a link on linkedin as well thank you very much Um, any other tips here for charmy on that topic That's not look like it. So, uh, Charmy, hopefully that was, uh, some good tips for you. If you got any follow-up questions, yes. please do. Please do let us know. We are here to help.
5: Yes, definitely. Thank you, Asha. I will. Uh, and thank you Harpreet, for
0: um, yeah, absolutely
6: giving all the
5: advice. I'll definitely look into it and keep you guys updated on my progress.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Uh, Shout out to everybody joining us on LinkedIn. There's like 20 people at one point. If you guys have questions, please do let us know. Uh, anybody else in the room got questions? I see Hurry Nath is back in the building. Looks like he combed his hair a bit for turning on the camera. Thank you very much for doing that. <laughs>
3: uh, actually, uh, hi. Hi, Alfred. I just want to share my update. Like, as uh, last time we all interacted, like, we got in a resume and all, how should I approach the recruiters, right? Uh, I thought yeah, maybe I could share it here or here. Like, I'm uh, right now, like, I, I got placed as an intern and uh, I'm into ML of operations, actually. So I'm an intern and, uh, yeah. So, like, it's, uh, and uh, definitely, like, I thought, like, the suggestions you all gave, like, uh, and uh, especially Mark, like, that he said, like, how to present uh, yourself uh, in the LinkedIn and showcase, like, show that your skills and all. I couldn't do that, but I thought like uh, it helped me to change my resume actually. So uh, instead of adding all unnecessary stuff I did during my graduation, I only focused on my uh, whatever uh, AI knowledge I had, like the projects I did, the publications, I tried to explain the recruiter. And even during the interviews, the first thing was my resume was shortlisted and uh, right now like I'm into a company and uh, uh, into a project like uh, I do ML operations That's my role. So I'm learning few stuff like uh, dockerization and establishing like uh, data pipelines. And I also see like there's a great future for ML operations also uh, because, you know, like data changes, like uh, there's a concept drift and the data drift and all. Yeah, I'm really excited and I'm also Mm -hmm. glad that I met you all guys
0: hey congratulations man that's awesome news like definitely ml ops is the future everything you're talking about is super important i mean like if you get a chance to play around with comets platform definitely do so because uh like there's all the stuff you're talking about like uh the concept drip data drift stuff like that like you know we got this yeah. it's called artifacts so it's, it's version controlling data sets all that stuff is super important experimentation management and and all that stuff is
6: yeah.
0: highly applicable to the realm of ml ops and getting a job as an like intern in ml ops that's huge man that's going to set you up for a lot of success in the future
6: thank you i right
0: know man Congratulations, dude! That's that's awesome news. Thank you. And you said it was a uh, Mark that that uh, that provided you with uh, some some good resume tips.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Like uh, a uh, Like actually, like I had uh, I had lots of things in on my resume uh, mm-hmm. because I did most of the web development, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all. But uh, but when I thought like I did like uh, I said like previously I was into software engineering I got placed as software engineer then I quit that and uh, like immediately like that resume selection was also, it was just few changes, like whatever I did, I did only, I mentioned the three projects but uh, the clear cut, what I did and what the concepts I used like, uh, and uh, recruiters really liked that and uh, I had a, a best interaction like that interview was my best in, uh, interview I would say like uh, those straight forward, like he asked my capabilities like what all things you could do and all and uh, he Said, like, I think you're capable of uh, learning, like, uh, you can deal with ML operations, and I guess, like, you got the knowledge of ML operations as well as software engineer uh, skills, also. And uh, he said, like, we would like you to take you as an intern for this field, and I'm happy for that. And yeah, nice, and I'm pretty excited when I heard that. Yeah, cool. Like, I, when I actually dig deep into it, and I was like, yeah, wow actually these things as a like a student like when we are as graduates we don't care like all we think of fitting a best model to our data but in the production it at what actually matters so, yeah so that's the thing so,
0: Yeah, like the modeling is just a very small piece of the entire thing yeah. right um because <laughs>
6: yes,
0: yeah. there's still like what happens after the model is in deployment and what happens when everything starts breaking down and melting like what do you do how do you how do you fix that how do you uh so, uh,
3: usually, like uh, right now, like I was assigned to learn actually. So, so I was uh, dealing with some metrics to evaluate uh, my model performance. Like not just uh, the uh, small recall and all. Like we mainly focus, like how exactly if there is a, like shape. We have some own metrics as well, business metrics. Like uh, whether the model is performing as per well, the business needs. And other are our technical metrics based on our machine learning models, how we check the accuracy of precision, et cetera. But uh, I got to know like that other, uh, like, uh, usually like uh, until my college, when I was exploring uh, machine learning models, all I used was accuracy recall F1 score. Those were the only three steps which I used for evaluating the model. And later on, I found like lots of things. Okay, like uh, there are other metric evaluations too like where uh, like when there's a data imbalance like which kind of metric evaluation I need to take care of and all so uh, actually I cannot disclose few things right now
0: yeah yeah no
3: worries so yeah I want to be accurate as well so I cannot uh, say random stuff
0: yeah, nah, there's a lot more than just a uh, precision and recall when you're working a classification. Don't forget about log loss, cross entropy yeah. and all those things. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that, dude. Very happy for you. That's uh, excellent news. Mark, if you're listening, uh, you helped right, not here with that uh, with that resume, man. So thank you very much. Look at that. That's, 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 that's awesome, man. I love you. And those.
3: I'm like, I'm regularly like, uh, I always see your LinkedIn updates, yours, marks, and all. Like, I just see like what you guys are up to. And you share feedback and, on LinkedIn, I always regularly follow that. Like, because those create some kind of ideas and insights. Uh, and so, I mean, like, I think I recommend people because when, you, as a beginner, like previously, like, Chami was also asking, like, uh, whether you need to have other skills. Like, uh, Like, I'm good at SQL and all. But my journey as a beginner, like uh, my SQL was never related to data science. I never worked on it, but I had SQL knowledge. But uh I think like Python, like if you nail Python, like okay, like as a beginner, if you are able to do good stuff with Python, I think it could pretty much help you in uh, data science, like very much, because with programming you could automate stuff. Yeah. So that's most important right now, like automating stuff. So and uh Business clients
0: actually want that stuff. They don't want the manual things more. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. Well, congratulations again. That's super, super, like, super happy for you, man. Like, I, yeah,
3: thank you. Thank, uh, you. thank you very much. Yeah. And also, right.
0: thank you, Mark. Yeah, yeah Mark, I, I don't know where you're at. Mark, yeah. He's probably listening. He's probably listening. If he's not listening, I'll let him know. Uh, I mean, I'm in contact with him pretty frequently. So I'll definitely let him know. Uh, Asha, go for it.
6: First of all, congratulations.
7: Uh, Secondly, um, I have a question in regards to how do you deal with, when you get into a company, uh, the DB is so huge, right? And you have a project set. Learning the whole, I feel like I've asked this over and over, but it's still giving me a headache. Um, None of the, there is no dictionary to begin with to any of the column names there's no keys so and waiting on like writing all the requirements you have you give it to data engineering That just takes like three four days to come back on a query could have just knocked it out how do you do you just sit down initially and just try to go through the whole db yourself and try to create your own key because it's too huge
0: yeah i know exactly what you're talking about because i've been there before uh and this is a common situation uh like you know Anytime you need a data dictionary, it's really not that. This is why data governance, data management is so, so critical uh, and so important. And when people talk about like data maturity, analytics maturity, this is what they mean. It's like okay, like you're not really mature unless you have like something in place where somebody can come in and just see, without having to bother tons of people, like what the data is all about, what the fields mean, what this represents, so on and so forth. So, uh my approach has been this right typically like when you're on the job you're going to be assigned to a project right um and for that project you're not necessarily going to need every single data set in the entire database in order for you to get work done so just kind of focus on one like one corner of the database at a time and try to figure out okay if i'm like let's say i'm a stakeholder right let's just say for example you're working at a company and in your company, you're working with people who are, you know, you need access to sales data, right? The first person to talk to is, you know, the salespeople, right? When you guys have questions, who is it that you go to to ask questions when you need to dig up reports and stuff? But do you have like a go-to person and then go find that go-to person and then talk to them and, and kind of pick their brains Oh, what tables do you seem to work with the most? Uh, you know, do you think you can uh, walk through some of these? tables with me and just kind of help me understand it. And then you will likely have to make the dictionary yourself. And then from there, it's just a chain of questions like, oh, do you know it? Like, they're going to be like, oh, well, you know, somebody else uh, is in charge of that table. I know salespeople need that table, but I don't know too much of what's in it. My little thing is just over here. Then you go talk to other people and you start stitching together uh, some of this knowledge yourself. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of, this is where the communication skills come in, right? That's why I said data science is a meta skill. So there's going to be a lot of communication and a lot of talking to people and a lot of taking notes and stitching things together yourself. You're going to have to figure out, okay, like what keys connect these two tables if I need to aggregate them. Um, yeah. So manual detective work is my answer for you. Uh, I'd love to see what anybody else says. Uh, Elka, any, any tips? Elka or Marin or not. Anybody got tips on uh, how to navigate this?
1: Yeah, I would say I would take the same approach as what you said, but I would also say um, as you go along, document it. And as soon as it's of a decent amount, like publish it somewhere, even internally, so people can start collaborating on it and it it scales, right? So the database is huge, but other people are probably also figuring things out, maybe not even on the same parts of the database as you. And if they contribute to your documentation, then you can start from what they already uh, figured out in the next project. So then that helps you out in the long run. And also, if other people join after you, they can use this documentation and they don't have to start from a blank pages. You have to.
0: Yeah. Documenting and putting it in like an internal company wiki or something like that. Super, super important. Um, I'll pause there, Asha, just to make sure that we're understanding your question correctly or see if you have any follow ups on that.
7: Yes. Yes. Uh- that's definitely, I understand it, but I don't know, it's just been a lot of back and forth, and I have these deadlines. Like immediately I got in. I have to create like right now what I'm working on, I'm creating a customer lifetime value model, a predictive a CLV. And after that, the deadline is like the end of the month. After that, I'm creating a recommender system uh, for different products with like 10 million transactions a day. So the database is huge. the customers are many. And the DB itself is just taking hours to just figure out the working from home bit doesn't help at all. Especially when you're new in a company and it's working from home for a while, it's just not helping.
0: Yeah. I mean, to get acquainted with the data, man, yeah. Like, especially if they have no dictionaries and stuff, you're going to have to reach out to people and 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 talk to them. <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> the biggest thing you... Uh, the biggest thing i would i would say that you should not do is just assume that a particular column means something without getting verification or valid, validation because i've done that and um didn't work out very well
6: thank you thank you yeah <laughs> I she saying, oh, that, it's a yeah. headache shared.
0: oh it is it's definitely i mean the, the, uh, even when i was in clinical trials like it's bad for me to say this because clinical trials are supposed to be highly regulated and highly, you know, governed and stuff like that. We still have these issues like what does this column in this data set mean? Like, what, how do we figure this out? Um, so it's, it's, you know, a lot of companies don't have that data maturity yet at that level to make lives easier for data scientists. Um, that's sad truth. I wish I had more tips for you. For anybody listening, I know there's a bunch of people on LinkedIn. Um, so if you guys have any tips for Asha, let us know. I will relay them back to her. Um, but yeah, just uh, <laughs> just be patient and ask questions and then grind through it. I mean, can you push back on these deadlines at all? Like, like where are these deadlines coming from? Who's like, you know, saying that it has to be done at this point, what, some more background so, on that?
7: Um, so a lot of the times it'll be like people from random departments. Like coming in, or oh, you're delaying me, I need this already done, like yesterday, you're like, uh, yeah, okay. okay, then someone else just
0: find yeah, it right. so this is gonna have to be like you you have to kind of push back be like, all right cool, like I understand you needed it done yesterday. Maybe you should have came to me like two weeks from yesterday, and we could have talked about this, but this is where you are right now. Let me tell you what I need to get done in order for me to make this happen to you. It's not like I just push a button and stuff magically appears. First off, I need to figure out where the data is, right. Can you tell me where it's at? Can you tell me what all these columns mean? Because without me knowing all this stuff, like it's going to be hard for me to do actual work for you, right? They're probably going to be like, oh, no, I, I have no clue. I'm like, all right, well, that's going to take at least a week right there for me just to figure out what, what data I need, what the columns me, I, I need are. Um, and then on top of that, then I've got to do exploration of the data. i got to understand it, right? And that's going to take me like another oh, three or four days, almost a week. And then from there, it's conceptualizing what type of model I'm going to use to to do see, you know, customer lifetime value, right? Because here are the different ways we could do it. I need to first understand the business model. Like, is it, you know, know, there's four, there's different types of interactions that customers have with a business. They could just, for example, a furniture store, people don't typically go to the furniture store every week, right? They buy it in incremental time periods across long delays, right? Whereas somebody at a grocery store is typically coming every week, right? So I gotta understand the business model because once I understand the business model, then I could figure out which lifetime valuation model is going to make sense for us here, right? That's gonna require some research. So right now, you know, with you coming to me with this request, I'm already going to need at least two and a half weeks just to get oriented. And then from there, the modeling work, you know, depending on how large the data is, i got to figure out if I need to write optimized code, if I need cloud compute resources, things like that, right? So this is where you start pushing back as a data scientist and be like, all right, cool, hold on, man. It's not like a magic button I push and shit just happens. Like I need to, need to figure stuff out first, right? Uh, and yeah, just put a stake in the ground and be like, yeah, hold on, man. You, you don't come and tell me how long it takes me to get this stuff done. That's not how this works. Yeah.
6: So, Baron, go for it.
2: Okay. Uh, sorry, forgot to unmute. Just from previous experience, not data science, but the high tech wireless communication experience, Asha, I have a question for you. When you start working on a project, typically from my experience, you have all the stakeholders coming together in a meeting and Sort of identifying what we're trying to achieve here. What is our goal? What is the problem? What are the critical points? What are the choke points? I mean, what do we need to basically solve this problem? Uh, do we have any sort of idea which tools or what kind of things we need to do that? If you don't have that in front, then it's very difficult. I mean, you just shouldn't accept anybody coming to you and asking you, hey, when. Can you give me this data? This is absolutely ridiculous. If you go into that cycle, you'll burn out very quickly, and nothing is achieved. Basically, planning when everybody's involved in the everybody that is relevant for the project or the problem should be involved. And also, another tip: you're not alone. Do you have a supervisor? Share with him what is going on and how you can handle the issues. That, that, that's my advice, not from data science point of view, but from experience in different areas.
0: Thank you very much, Marin. Great, great tips there. Uh, and on the other end of it, the more technical aspect of it for, you know, if you need tips on customer lifetime valuation stuff, uh, there's a couple of packages in Python. Uh, one is for churn and that's called lifelines. There's two of them, lifelines and lifetimes, both of them by the same author, both of them written by uh, Shopify. So uh, lifelines, lifetime. And then there's different behavior models you can use for customer lifetime valuation. One is you know called buy, tell you die. Um, so you can look into research done by uh, uh, Bruce Fader and something Hardy. So Fader and Hardy. They're professors out of uh, Wharton School of Business, and they—they're like the gurus when it comes to lifetime valuation and customer behavior things like that. Uh, so definitely check those resources out. Uh, the I think just the lifetime to lifelines package, either either one of those two packages has a tremendous amount of documentation that is going to be extremely helpful uh, to look into. And then, like in terms of like statistical models, there's like the. Uh, Pareto negative binomial distribution, Uh, then there's the like beta gamma negative binomial, Uh, so these types of statistical models are useful for this scenario, Um, beta geometric or something like that as well. Austin, go for it.
4: Yeah, Asha, I was thinking about as Harpreet was talking. There's this sort of social component of what you're talking about, or those like those are difficult conversations to have. It's difficult to like, especially when you're new, to be like forceful about that, and I think. one of the things you, you're trying to do early in a role, and this is not just you, but generally is like build some sort of credibility or ethos around yourself and your expertise and like prove that you have that expertise. And I think what Harpery is sort of getting at there is like the more specific you can lay out that process and what each part of that process looks like, even if someone doesn't understand it, you're explaining it in a way to them that's like, Oh, this person actually has a theory of this and has a, has a sort of paradigm through which they view this and understands the work. Um, and That sort of feels like the first step to and and also like establishing that credibility that will help you in the longer term as well um and and sort of eliminating that sort of feedback loop where you're just like sort of accepting that deadline that's been given to you and then struggling internally or maybe with one other you know your supervisor whoever else the more specific you can be in laying out the the process and then identifying the roadblocks within that process Even if someone doesn't understand it from a technical standpoint, I think that that's the best, one of the best ways you can build that ethos and credibility so that this, you know, you can start to break through that. And it might not, for this first project, it might not, you know, get you all the way to your, like your goal of having more time and this and that. But it starts starts to lay that groundwork so that you avoid that cycle of that's going to burn you out over time or or make you just like, I I can't do this. So I'm just going to do a shitty job of this and then... That leads to, you know, like that's, I think that's the, the danger if you, if you're not specific and you don't like work to build that credibility. So I think that's sort of what's going on socially underneath the surface of all that stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very, very well put that exactly what it was that I was trying to communicate. Uh, thank you for that Austin. I'd love to hear what, what LK, uh, like you got any tips when it comes to dealing with uh, aggressive stakeholders and their um, like tight deadlines.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with uh, what you and Austin just said. Um, I, I get that it's hard, especially if you're new in a, in a new project or in a new company, but being assertive about it, um, as long as you know what you're talking about, of course, is it's just a must because everybody is in their own stress in their own projects with their own deadlines. So they, as long as they depend on other people, they are going to push that stress forward. And at one point, it's just not doable anymore. And It's basically a choice between being realistic right now and maybe pushing their deadlines back a bit too or disappointing people at the end line. And that's even worse. So if something is not feasible or, or you feel like you're not sure about a deadline, it's better to communicate. At least in my opinion, it's better to communicate this. Um, as early on as you can uh, with the right arguments, of course, like this is going to take specifically this part of the task is going to take more time or I don't even know how to start on that one, so I need to figure that and that out before uh, I can Um, so that everybody is is clear on it. And especially if you stay with the company for a while and they see that, okay, we're giving that person deadlines and sometimes she pushes back, but then at the end, she always delivers by the time she says she's going to deliver, then you also get a sense of uh, they they start to trust trust you, and so it will be easier to get that data you're asking for. Um, so yeah, it's a process, but it's important to start pushing uh, or working at it from the start. I think.
4: Yeah, Absolutely. and like and like the outcome isn't like for this project, you get everything fulfilled. That you need. It might be that, like, if you document like what it is you need, you communicate what it is you need, and they say no dice. This is still the deadline. Then you have something to point back to: a conversation, a document, a plan, whatever it is to point back to and say, "Hey, this is why we're not getting the result out of this project that you wanted." Like, I had this clearly stated. So, like, you might still have to go through it. Like, you might still have to go through that. Put something in front of someone that's not your like what what would be you'd consider as your best work or the thing that solves the problem like that might just be the nature of like how this has to work. But like, I think it's like building this case and then documenting it and being clear about that process so that um, even if it doesn't work out in this project, you, you're you building a foundation to to make those social interactions serve you better and serve yeah. the company better. And then what you're trying to get done. So I think like, it's not focusing on like, well, I tried that and the outcome still remained. It's like, you're, but you're building that process and it, and it it might take some time. And depending on the size of the organization and the different stakeholders, and all that kind of stuff, like, some of those things are going to be out of your control, but it's like, what is the best thing I can do to sort of build this moat around my like, expertise, my ethos, my ability to contribute in the medium to longer term with this company?
1: Yeah. And, and sometimes also there's options, right? You can, for example, say, okay, you want these three things. I can deliver them like at that date. Or if you want an earlier date, I can either do A and B or C, but not all of them. And, and then they know, they can tell you what their priorities are. So you also know what to start on.
0: Excellent tips. Thank you very much, Austin LK, okay. uh, Asha, go for it if you have a follow-up question.
7: No, thank you. Thank you so much.
0: That's... Oh yeah, I do see a follow-up question here. Are there any oh, yeah. software that you use for documentation, for documentation. that's yeah. easy to add a lot of details to? Uh, does, uh, your, does your company have like an internal company wiki of any sorts? Um,
7: I, I mean, the normal documentation, a lot of it we've been doing has been, um, there's, there's a Microsoft. SharePoint?
0: The not name is gone. SharePoint. Uh, Sh- Yeah, it is SharePoint on Microsoft, isn't it? SharePoint.
7: Th- the name is gone. there's one, yeah. but it doesn't capture everything. Like, I'm trying to capture, like, the steps and the processes, how long each step takes. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to capture the whole lifetime of the whole beginning to the end.
0: Yeah. So if I tried to sign up with the
7: flowchains
0: if you're using microsoft that means you probably use teams as well and then inside teams you can when you set up like a workspace in teams uh like for your data science workspace whatever and then each project has a project wiki associated with it you i I usually just put everything that in that project wiki um yeah i wonder if i still oddly enough i still have access to teams from my old job uh, like if, if, <laughs> I wonder if I pull it up and show you, but that's probably not ethical. I won't do that. Uh, but yeah, you can you, just a wiki, a wiki inside Teams and then you can just tag people or just send them a link to that wiki inside Teams. Um, but yeah, Microsoft uses SharePoint as well. A uh, comment: would we use we use Notion? Um, Notion is a good one. Uh, Confluence as well. Yeah, Austin says here Notion, and Jira, Wikis, uh, maybe a Gantt board, uh, something like Asana. Asana is nice as well. Yeah, Everybody here is talking about Jira as well. So uh, those are some good solutions. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, if anybody has questions, go ahead, let me know. I, got, I see a question coming in from uh, LinkedIn. I'll go to that question on LinkedIn. But in the meantime, anybody in the uh, Zoom room here, if you had a question, let me know. I will queue you up. A uh, question coming in from uh, Abdul on LinkedIn. I wish to work physics with artificial intelligence. Is there any opportunity for me? Uh, if by that question you mean, do I know of any jobs that you can apply to right now? Uh, not off the top of my head, but if that question means that, uh, is there an intersection of those two? I say, yes, very, very much. So, uh, there's so much, so much, uh, machine learning used in the world of physics. Um, if you're still listening Abdul check out the conversations I had with, um, uh, Shantan Atuli, uh, she, we talked a lot about how she uses machine learning as a physicist uh, Loris Marini uh, he's uh, got a podcast as well I forgot the name of it but he, he also has a PhD in physics that uses a lot of machine learning um, Marin, don't you have a PhD in physics?
2: Yeah I have a PhD in physics uh, but unfortunately learned about machine learning much later so have not just yeah, like, well, like physics.
0: I was watching um, a video yesterday on YouTube and it was about uh, how recently they were able to see the energy or information emitted from the backside of a black hole. And the way they're able to stitch together the image of the black hole was through machine learning. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating. So, I, you know, even in particle physics, there's a lot of use for machine learning. Um, like Shantanu was talking to me about it in, in particle physics, where they're trying to identify a particular phenomenon that happens. Like typically in normal machine learning, let's say we're doing credit card fraud detection, we have to do upsampling of data because the class that we're interested in is so few and far between. So we need to do, you know, some type of smote. But in physics, they have the opposite uh, problem where they have to downsample data because there's so much noise in the data. Um, and you know, all of that's just machine learning. So yeah, I think the intersection of uh, physics and and machine learning AI is huge. It is massive. Um, the opportunities are abound. Um, so I'd, I'd start there. Each, like the, the episode I just released the other day with Max Franzel, he's a PhD in physics. He's doing some crazy like uh, quantum information theory. And he was trying to figure out the smallest machine that you can uh, use to, to do computations on. And... We talked about the intersection of uh, physics and AI in that conversation as well. And coming up in the future with some of the authors I'll be bringing on, we'll be talking about this intersection as well. So stay tuned to the Arts of Data Science. Um, Elka here has a uh, comment, then we'll go into uh, Karuna's question. But Elka says that about wikis for documentation, the same holds true for Azure DevOps as far as Microsoft Teams. And since it's both Microsoft and integrates nicely together, uh, but the wikis are Git repos under the hood, so you can work on them from your IDE, for example, in Markdown. Yes, that's true. I also used uh, Azure DevOps as well when I was at Price, and I love that wiki functionality. Markdown's awesome, get comfortable with it, it's nice. Um, Runa, are you still here? Yes, uh, you are.
6: Yeah.
8: Uh, Thank you, Harpreet. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. So basically, uh, I'm working as a product analyst currently. So my job is to get the data and uh, pull the insights and uh tell about the requirements ne- uh, of feature development next feature development that we would be uh, doing so uh, in that process i uh, mostly i get the data and i uh, i pull out the data for the people who, who are in the operations team Or I just get normal data and I uh, look for some questions that I'm uh, having and I try to pull data out of that and try to answer those particular questions. But I have never been able to understand the uh, theoretical statistical techniques that... You learn uh, like hypothesis testing and uh, so on and so forth, descriptive analysis and inferential statistics. How do you actually use that? Or is that actually being used at workplace? Can that make my insights better? And how do I actually use that? I, I have no clue.
0: Yeah. So, in terms of statistics for products, right, you can have, for example, let's say you are working on. It's the easiest example. Let's say website design, or maybe you're changing the color of a button or something on a changing the color of a button for call to action on a particular uh, device or website, right? Um, So you can test if two different colors have a uh, different click through rate, right? That's like A B testing. So A B testing would be kind of the uh, biggest use case of. Doing this type of hypothesis testing and inference in i think the product world um, right. right so uh, you likely heard of that um
8: uh, not i mean uh not by the uh particular heading with a b testing but yes i do this i compare things that if this was there then what was the result how did the user react to that and so on
0: yeah yeah so the same thing now it's like okay well how do you like you know how do you tell that there actually different well that's where the statistics comes in right that's where you can use some type of hypothesis test using some statistical testing procedure i don't know just listening with a normal t-test for right now right and then you can make a claim and and say that you know i'm inferring from this sample that the larger population will have a higher click-through rate based on this test that i ran right you know 10 people like you know 100 10000 people got uh option red and maybe 8,000 people got option blue Um, and then you run a test and then you say, okay, well, the results for, you know, this blue button Mm -hmm. was statistically significant. Therefore I can make a conclusion. I'm just like greatly simplifying it, but therefore I can make a a conclusion that, you know, the general population will like blue better, like greatly simplifying it. But yeah, AB testing is where you'd use this, you know, hypothesis tests and things like that in the real world
5: right right
8: uh got your point uh this works i mean uh, i also have another question uh can i say it here or uh should i wait and for another chance
0: no you have to come back next week i'm sorry no i'm joking you can be fast now go ahead <laughs>
8: Thank you. All right. Uh, so again, uh, with uh can uh anyone uh please suggest me how should I start learning model deployment? I have worked uh, uh, on scraping data, on creating data from the very scratch, uh uh creating data from real-time data sets. I mean uh, collecting data, primary data research and secondary data research. Then now I'm working on data analysis. I have done uh internally for my learning, uh I have done projects. Uh, using machine learning techniques i haven't deep dive into neural networks yet uh but yeah for uh, machine learning projects that i have how do i start learning model deployment what would be the best way to start learning
0: uh, i would say the best way is just forget about model deployment for now because it doesn't seem like that's part of the value proposition of where you're like you're you're doing like, like Model deployment, I would, I would kick that over mostly to machine learning engineer type role, right? It's important for a data scientist to understand for sure conceptually how models get deployed. But like for product analytics or, you know, product management right. type roles, I think that would it wouldn't be in your realm of responsibility, Um i'll pause there maybe i'm not understanding yes, but, uh, yeah. no
8: you are right it is not yeah. my responsibility but i want to take my career ahead uh, in that so i okay. would definitely want to have my career in data scientists so does a data scientist require model deployment obviously they need to know a, a, a good understanding of that right mm-hmm. so that's yeah
6: cool.
0: yeah so uh, i can't think of a resource at the top of my head um that I could point you to for model deployment. Do you have like any specific questions? Maybe I could try to answer that, but if anybody has like a high level overview of the model deployment process resource that you can send, uh, please do share it here. But if you have like a specific question about model deployment, I can, I can not that. really i'm
8: just uh dipping my toes in so i don't really know what
0: to ask yes yeah like deployment's like a, a a huge spectrum right like there's deployment in the sense that it's deployed on my machine like on my phone mm-hmm. so that when i take a picture of an object it says it's a hot dog or not a hot dog right like that that's one type of deployment but then there's also a type of deployment where um uh, all you're doing is just pushing your predictions to a database so somebody else can get it or all you're doing is is pushing your predictions to a uh, uh, um, CSV and just sending that out every week. Um, so I guess something that comes to mind, it might be a little bit too, might be overkill, but like full stack deep learning. Um, that's, I mean, that might be a lot of overkill. I'll pull it up right here just to show you. Um, I fear though that it could be too much. Uh, and this is all about, you know what it means to deploy. So it's it's all about shipping projects, right? Okay. Um, so you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's all about what model deployment means. Um,
6: oh, sure. I'll
0: check yeah, it so, out. So definitely check this out. Asha here says P- PMML. I don't know what that is. Uh, robot again. PMML. That's probably not what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Asha, if you have a link. Um, um,
7: let yeah, me find mo- the link and
0: attach yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Model deployment is a, a huge, um, huge spectrum, right? Like there's a huge spectrum of, of shipping machine learning projects. It just depends on what your particular use How, case application
8: is. How uh, important is to have a user interface to deploy a particular model?
0: it's important in the cases where your end user will need a interface <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sense, right? so, like, uh, so so you could yeah like you, you could deploy something like on streamlit right and then all that, all you know a streamlit app that um let's say you're trying to predict housing prices right so you can you can deploy a simple linear regression on streamlit and somebody comes in just enters the features of their house hits calculate and then it spits out a um you know a value for the house, right? So that that's something you could do, um, and you know that's useful for those situations where your end user is going to need an interface. But that's not always the case, right? Sometimes your end user is surfing the web on Amazon, and you're pushing recommendations to them without them having to interact with anything, right? Or your end user is watching Netflix, and movie recommendations are popping up, right? So that's a different type of deployment. So deployment a- is uh, definitely spectrum austin here says a uh, streamlit uh, gallery it, that's that's an excellent resource to look at kind of the spectrum of deployment um uh, so, yeah, sure
8: yeah. that answers my questions thank you so much thank you everyone who pitched in to yeah. uh raise. thank you
0: sorry i couldn't be more specific with that question because as you could tell that it's it's a huge huge Oh,
8: right. Let me just start learning. Maybe I'll, yeah. I can come up with better questions
0: then. Yeah. Like I deployed something locally where it was like classifying, you know, tweet sentiment. Right. And that was kind of, it required a user interface because then I could just, you know, type in my tweet and it'll give me a score yeah, for the sentiment. Right. Um, yeah. Hopefully hopefully that's uh, helpful for you. bunch of great resources here. Uh, PMML is an attempt at standardizing model formats for deployment across environments. I uh, definitely would love to learn more about that. I'm surprised I have not. Um, but yeah, Streamlit, I think, is probably one of the, the easiest ways. Streamlit, Gradio is nice as well. Um, so those are two great places that you can play around with model deployment.
6: Sure. Thanks. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, any other questions coming in? I don't see anything on LinkedIn. I don't see anything in the chat here. Last call for questions. Asha, go for
7: it. Is that a question. It's a congratulations to you on your new role.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> a lot of a lot of good stuff happening for for everyone, man. A lot of good good news with the uh, you know the entire community. Um, you know, a bunch of my mentees also landed jobs, a bunch of people on Friday were talking about how many you know, j- new jobs people got. So I think it's, it's a good, good season for everyone. I'm totally excited about this uh, new role at Comet. Um, it, it's definitely that that's the best type of role for me. I would say, let's just to say that like guess it's, it's exactly what I've been wanting to do and I'm excited for it. Uh, a lot of learning to do, but uh, we've got a lot of, awesome things planned on the horizon uh, for all of you guys. So I'm excited for that. I am excited for that. So uh, no more questions. I guess we can wrap it up. Thank you everybody for coming and hanging out. Uh, Shout out to everybody that joined in on LinkedIn. We had like 20 people up at one point. So appreciate all you guys there. Uh, Great questions coming in. Congrats to everybody landing roles. Congrats to everybody about to land roles. And if you're out there hustling, grinding, keeping in the work just keeping in the work something will, will work out for you um don't forget to tune into the podcast like i said i got an episode with, with uh, max Franzel and just a bunch of let me let me just tell you what's on the horizon in the next coming few weeks and months so on september 22nd i'm having a live stream on Instagram with Sadie St. Lawrence. So if you're not following Sadie St. Lawrence, she's the founder of Women in Data. Um, so definitely check her out. We'll be doing a live stream. I believe it is a 5 p.m. Central Time on September 22nd. Uh, look at her um, Instagram page. That's where we're gonna be at. I'll be setting up a event page on um, on my Artists in Data Science page. Uh, so you guys get all the details. Um, you know doing a bunch of live streams with uh with podcast episodes that will be streamed but then those won't be released until far into the future uh just to kind of you know have that going on uh, in the coming weeks on the podcast uh, i've got an episode releasing on the 17th with uh pradeep sangha really enjoyed that conversation with him uh then i got Two episodes with data engineers back to back uh Dennis will who goes by the name of Asher will on Instagram real cool guy based out of Germany. Um, we had a great conversation talking about data engineering uh then one of my mentees from data science dream job Madison uh Madison I'm gonna butcher her last name Madison' scoot uh scoot uh, she's also a data engineer which we talk mostly about wellness for data professionals. Uh, I've got an episode go- coming up with a philosopher, John Favakey. Uh, if you don't know John Favakey, check him out. He is phenomenal. Um, later on this fall, maybe winter, got an episode coming out with Liz Fosling. I'm sure you guys have all seen Liz Fosling's work out on either Instagram or LinkedIn. She's the one that does all those doodles and drawings about, um, life in the workplace so she's one half of liz and molly co-author of the book uh no hard feelings Uh, shout out to mark for putting us in touch uh, because she works at humu Uh, so that was that was awesome and in terms of people coming onto the podcast that you can catch live uh man a lot of good friends a lot of good friends um you know i'll be doing an episode with andrew jones danny ma joe reese Uh, i've got brent dykes coming on his book just arrived in the mail uh it's over there uh, data storytelling so i'll be talking to brent dykes about that um and a bunch of other people who are going to be uh, sharded in secrecy for right now until we get these uh dates settled but some awesome authors and and people like that so stay tuned to the podcast everyone um also going to be doing a lot of stuff through comet as well we've got a lot of awesome stuff on the horizon in terms of just projects and and uh, learning materials and and you know stuff for you guys Exposing the uh virtues of experiment management and ml ops and things of that nature it'll be a lot of fun that's it for me i'll stop talking and uh stop killing time because i was just waiting for questions to come so it does not look like there's any other questions we'll wrap it up my friends thank you